0: struggle have struggled with some of the various emotional struggles in life. I created a class at Utah State during the COVID time called a doctoral post-emotional wellness public. I was supposed to do that. It's the only thing I taught for an entire year was this class. Um, and what my goal and my hope is is to help you realize that yes, there's times we need medication, we need counseling, we need help. All those don't go get rid of those things. But sometimes I think we may not add another avenue that is the one that will connect you to Jesus Christ that the great physician of all, and that is the doctrine. And so that's why I created this doctrinal approach to emotional wellness. Not that in three days your emotional struggles are going to go away, but I do believe over the next three days that we can have an experience where hopefully that you can at least understand how the doctrines and the truths that connect you to Jesus Christ will help you through this mortal state that is filled with Emotional difficulties, and if anybody says they've never had emotional difficulties, they lie. Because <laughs> if you breathe, you have emotions. And if you have emotions, they aren't always steady and perfect and wonderful. Sometimes it's just the difficulty of those linger longer than we'd like them to. And some of you may have been working with uh, family members that are still with that. My wife last year was able to come and I'm sure she couldn't and at the start of this why we're teaching this. Uh, my wife went through a seven year very heavy battle with depression where we did not know how a time she would live for desire to take her life more than once and desire to not be here anymore and as i we went through this she would stand here and testify that the reason she's here today is because yes physicians counselors but we've talked and studied the doctrine heavily and deeply and gave her a place to stand during her battle because she had a battle, and, and that those doctors and truths are what gave her a chance to be where she is today, and it's wonderful. We're grateful for that. So, we figured it's blessed our family's life, we hope to bless other families' lives, and I'm yours. We're going to need to. Two reminders that I'd like to do is this mode, is not working, because I unplugged it, um, I started to leave after the last presentation, I forgot that I had to do this one, um, just simply, you guys, we have not a high, have we not a high priest, i suppose sorry, which cannot be touched with feeling or afraid, in other words, brothers and sisters, we have a high priest that understands everything, Matthew Holland says it this way, and I love it. For anyone today with pain so intense and so unique that you feel that no one else can fully appreciate them, you have a point. You're right. There may be no family member, friend, or priesthood leader, however sensitive in each may be, who knows exactly what you are feeling or has the precise words to help her heal you. But know this, there is one who understands perfectly what you're experiencing, who is minor than all the earth, and he was able to be, to be exceedingly abundant, exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. The process will in his ways and on his schedule, but Christ stands ready always to fill every ounce and aspect of your life. God provided some better things for them that through their suffering, for without suffering they could not be even perfect. You see, the very nature of God and the aim of our earthly existence is happiness, but we cannot become perfect beings of divine joy without experiencing that tests us, sometimes to the very core. Paul says even the Savior himself was made eternally perfect or complete through suffering. So guard against the satanic whispering that if you were a better person, you would avoid such trials. If that's all you got today. Go home and be great. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that is good. But I want to do something. Um, I forgot to bring these, so I'm going to have to do, can I, I need to borrow some books from people that, like, Brother, I know you're writing something down, so I'll still you a minute, but your book has some weight too. Can I borrow this? Absolutely. Um, let me borrow, I know these awesome ladies here. I'm going to borrow theirs. Okay. Uh, I need, like, five more. So, but I, I don't have, I, I can't get these back to you, because I don't have a clue who's a ruse. So, <laughs> Dale, can I pick on you? Come here. Okay. That's good. Who wrote that book? (laughs) My wife. Uh, I want to talk to you about this right here. I normally say this towards the end, but I felt the switch today. I, I want you to gain an understanding while you're struggling how God works. Okay? So I'm gonna have Dallas do something. Dallin want you to stick your arms out like this. How old are you now? 16. Whoa. I thought you were like eighteen. Yeah. Straight. So now at times, what's tough for a 16 year old? Uh, friends. Yeah, let's put three on that <laughs> Especially girls. Yeah. Let's put one for that for sure. <laughs> hey, you're cheating. So, what else is tough? Uh, Bones. Well, yeah. yeah. What else? Figure out what you want to do with your life. Uh, now, we can keep going, right? If I leave Dallin here, we know what will happen. We've all seen that. There's a powerful, powerful principle that God wants to teach because, is it getting heavy? Dinner. Yeah, a little bit. I going to mix up in He's muscle, man. He's got cold like, all day. I'm going to help. And <laughs> there's Brother Hunt's taker. Come and, um, and like, on, you know, come on. I'm, I'm we're trying to make it so you're painful a little bit. Is it, tell me when he's getting harder. <laughs> are shaking a tiny bit. Okay, here we go. So, as it got really heavy, and I've been about 12 more books up there, Dallin probably more than likely would like me to come and what? Okay, this is called Delivered. God delivers people. He absolutely does. Um, But there's something to support our Put those back out right down, will you? But if God always delivers you, the chances of remembering Him start to diminish very quickly. Because we're humans and we forget really quickly. So God also loves to support. Because, see, is that nice? Yeah. If I'm here and I'm helping God and I'm supporting Him, the chances of Him forgetting me are very, very, very slim. Because I'm touching Him. God knows the world that we live in is very hard. And there'll be times where maybe you'll feel like, oh, that's getting heavy. And then you're like, oh, and then you're like, oh, He's back. But the thing is, He's never left. Most generally, when we struggle with emotional struggles, we want God and we pray with all of our for friend to deliver us. Right? Ooh. Because that's what we want in God. But are you sure that's what's best? Are you sure? What is it if all of a sudden He takes it away and then we don't? Blender, oh, you're good. Purple, blue, black. Oh, there you are. And whatever this is, there it is. And Becky, this is yours. When Alma is teaching his son, he was going to be the prophet, or something he teaches. They should do as I have done in remembering the captivity of our fathers. I would say emotional wellness or emotional struggles is a captivity is a really good word. is what I have heard from those that have struggled. For they were in bondage, that's another word, and could not, and none could deliver them except it was the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. And He surely did deliver them in their afflictions. Now, O my son, heal and behold, thou art in thy youth, and therefore I beseech thee, that thou wilt hear my words over me. For I do know that whoever will put their trust in God will be supported in their trials, their troubles, their afflictions. I shall live in the gospel. I hope and pray as we go through this week, you'll realize that most often, God, I have found as I read the scriptures, chooses, supported, over delivered so that we and I have been supported under trials and troubles of every kind, Yay, and all manner of afflictions. God has delivered me from prison. So notice he has both here and from bombs and from death. and I do put my trust in him, and he will deliver me. Brothers and sisters, as we go through this week, um, realize that the God of heaven really most generally uh, most people I worked with that struggle with emotional wellness, it is not a short term thing. It is something that usually lasts for quite a while. How long for each, I don't know. Some a lifetime, some shorter, uh, better. But we've got to understand that God will support through that journey. He absolutely will. And that may be a greater blessing than Him delivering it. And you're saying, yeah, you stand there saying it for yourself. I may not have struggled exactly the same as you, but there's areas where the Lord has revealed to me. And I will share just quickly a little bit of vulnerability. Is this? There's a struggle that I've battled with for over 30 years of my life that I have pled, I've probably prayed and asked for it to removed more than anything. I can't tell you, i fasted over it. but about year 17 of struggling with this battle that was causing me so much turmoil and pain, one day the Spirit whispered to me, I'm not going to remove it. The battle you fight with it is what keeps you humble, and I'm not going to take that away. Oh. So be grateful that you still have it. Because strangely, I think it might be what might save me, because it will keep me. Because I am a stubborn bullhead. I would do anything myself. And good. But if God would take it away, I'd run and go. But this way, I stimulate. pretty much every day. Because I still talk to you about it. Look at the word delivered to to produce the promised desire, or expected result to set free. I love this definition of support. To show that you approve of. So when God supports you, he's saying, You're doing great. He's supporting you. He, He says, He's approving you. To give you help or assistance. To the act of, this is my favorite. The act of showing that you believe that someone or something is good or acceptable. So when God supports you in your emotional struggle, He is saying, "I believe that you're good and acceptable." Now you ask people who are struggling with emotional difficulties; they will say that is not how they feel. Hardly ever. They're never enough. They're uh, they're blah blah blah. We can go on and on. But that isn't what God is. No. I'm, when I support you, I'm showing you this. The act of helping someone by giving love. And Okay. so I wanted to start this week with just that. Now, what we're going to do is the power of doctrine is, is amazing. When we understand what doctrine can do, it will literally change everything, not just your emotional state, but it'll change everything you look at. And we know from the prophets, and recently, because the brethren have been asked by people to change doctrine, they have reiterated over and over that a prophet does not have the power to change doctrine. President Nelson has said that. President Oaks has said that. Elder Bednar said, that You can't. They don't have that right. It's God's. They can change policies, but they can't change doctrine. And that is really important to understand, is because that is the protection from Heavenly Father, that He's in charge of doctrine. If you go into the scriptures, uh, the word doctrine, when it's singular, is always of God. Doctrines, plural, is always of devils or men. Go read through the scriptures and just pull up anytime you see doctrine or doctrines. Doctrines of God, doctrines, and it might be because um, Prophet Joseph has said that, that really there is only one doctrine, that is that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he came to suffer, bleed, and die, and resurrect on the third day, and everything else is just an appendage to that doctrine. So in other words, everything that we call doctrine really is disconnected to Jesus Christ. He is the doctrine, and that's why it can't be changed. You can't change what Christ is or what he's come to do. So every appendix that we have that we call doctrine around it, if it is not connected to him, it has no power. Okay, President Byron teaches this so amazingly well. All right. The word of God is the doctrine taught by Jesus Christ and his prophets. Alma knew that the word of doctrine had great power. They can open the minds of people to see spiritual things not visible to the natural eye. That's what doctrine does. It opens up and lets you see things spiritual that is not able to see with your natural life if you don't look through the lens of doctrine, okay? This is going to help us as we go through this, all right? And they can open the heart to feelings of the love of God and a love for truth. So doctrine allows you to see things spiritually. It allows you to open your heart. It allows you to have an understanding of God's love for you. Without the doctrine, we don't have that. So a doctor of post-emotional wellness, yeah, we need to do this, and we'll do that today with the fall. The Savior drew on both those of both those sources of power to open our eyes and our hearts, and he teaches doctrine to open our eyes to our spiritual realities, invisible to any mind, not eliminated by the spirit of truth. Truth can prepare its own way. Simply hearing the words of doctrine can plant the seed of faith in the heart. And even a tiny seed of faith in Jesus Christ invites the Spirit. That's why I'm doing a doctoral push to emotional loss. Because of the promises that come from what doctrine will do for us. Okay? This is my words. I just wanted, I felt to put it on a slide because I just liked the way it was written. Our ability to trust and rely on the Savior for any challenges we may have is affected by our understanding of the truth about him. His role in our lives, our identity and worth to Him, our eternal purpose, i.e., doctor. Okay? The famous quote from President Packer we all know true doctor understood changes attitudes and behavior. You can interchange the word attitude fairly easily with the word emotion. Okay? Because your attitude that you have towards something is often based upon the emotions you feel about that thing those emotions. And so I truly believe that trick-off student can change emotions and behavior and heal them and fix them. I really do believe that. Okay? So when I started teaching this, well, when I started to study it, it just fascinated me that the fall has so much truth in it to help us with emotional wellness. So as we go through today, let the Holy Ghost teach you how the fall, if understood, can help you through your emotional state. Because there's things about the doctrine of the fall that help you understand why you feel what you feel. Where before I have talked to people that they they honestly don't know why they feel what they feel. And they start to blame outside sources that are terribly unhealthy or do things that are terribly unhealthy to fix it. Because they don't understand the doctrine behind it. So we're gonna start with the very first doctrine given is the creation of the fall and the atonement. We're gonna go to the second pillar, which is the fall. Okay, here we go. So the fall, is this, okay, there's two, there's, well, first of all, I apologize, I forgot I was going to do this, just as a man does not really desire food until he is hungry, so he does not desire the salvation of Christ until he knows why he needs Christ, but no one adequately and partly knows why he needs Christ until he understands and accepts the doctrine of the fall, that's a best one So once you understand this fall, you'll understand what Christ can do for your emotional state. Your emotional will be the mental state that we have in this world okay So as I started to study the fall it was often taught that the fall and the natural man seemed to be often synonymous as if our fallen state meant we were carnal sensual and devilish. And something bothered me about that I couldn't figure out what it was because here's the thing is did Christ partake of the fall? but he never was carnal, sensual, and devilish. Our children, part of the fall, but they're not carnal, sensual, and devilish. In fact, a child that dies before the age of accountability won't make the celestial kingdom. So I was always taught, often from Mosiah 3.19, that the natural man is named be God, has been since the fall of Adam, will be forever and ever, unless he yields to the ties of the Holy Spirit. Of course, put it off the natural man, and become the saint through the atonement of Jesus Christ, the Lord. And I often was taught growing up that the fall was based around my sinful, natural, carnal state. Well, if that's true, then often I've watched young people that have a problem with emotions. They think the reason they're struggling emotionally is because they're sinning. Or emotional struggles is a sin. That's not true. Not doctrine. So I started to study and really work through this to see what the world has meant by the fall, because there was something missing in my mind. And so I came across this from the Book of Mormon student manual that just opened my eyes. The terms natural or by nature, as commonly used, indicate an inherent part of our identity, something which we were born. In the scripture However, natural means fallen, key word right here, or I found this orb jumped up and down and started to get all excited. I'm like, what? Fall. There's a fallen side, and there is a sinful side. And if we don't separate them, we often think what we struggle with here is because we're sinning. And how often a young person of an said, if I was just better, if I would just do better, I would stop struggling with this. And I'd say, that's not our right. Let me show you. Though born innocent, all men, through the fall of Adam, come into a fallen world and into a state of spiritual death, separated from the presence of God. Little children and the Savior do the same. They were separated from the presence of God, but they were not carnal, sensual, or devilish. Knowing good and evil and living in this imperfect state, all men sin and experience a resultant fall of their own. There's a fall of mortality, then there's the sin side that brings a different fall. We can't connect them together. Watch. In other words, it is through transgression of God's law that one becomes a natural man. Elder Bednar says it. In mortality, we all are tempted by the flesh. The very elements out of which our bodies were created are by nature fallen and ever subject to the pull of sin, corruption, and death. Not that they have to have that. Now, we're all going to, of course, die. And we're all going to sin because we're in a fallen state. But we often, I think, teach it in a way, the fall that makes it so people don't understand that there are parts of mortality that you are struggling with deeply that have nothing to do with you, sin. And in fact, they have nothing to do with even the choices you have made. I'll show you what I mean, okay? So let's break this down. Are you ready? So we have the fall, and within it we have two parts. We have the fallen man, or weakness, and we have the natural man, which is called an enemy to God in the scriptures. These scriptures are really important to make sure you go and search and understand. Um, In fact, I forgot, 1 Nephi 19 6 should be on there also if anybody wants to write that down because that's a really good one, okay? So if you look at this, when children were born, when you and I were born into this world, we got a body, and what came with it was sometimes we get sick, we have infirmities, we have weakness, and we're all going to die. None of that is connected to sin. We have susceptibility or propensities. We have our biology, our psychology, and our environment that comes. It has nothing to do with sin, it only has to do with living in a fallen state. Children, families, relationships come. That's not carnal sexual indelication. Effects of the sin also there's apostasy, abuse, infidelity, addictions that come, but also love joy, gratitude, peace, but also sorrow, pain, loneliness, insecurity, and anxiety and depression and that way, are part of the fallen state, not the natural man state. Knowledge of good and evil, eternal progression, mistakes, and just dumb things that we do. There's a talk by Elder Oaks that I've come to deeply love. Every parent should be required to and read it before they ever have a child. I wish I'd have found it before I had a child. Um, I didn't find it tell about child number five. It's called Sins and Mistakes. He walks through and says, you've got to understand there's a difference between a sin and a mistake. Because if you treat a mistake like a sin, then your children will come to misunderstand the true power of what Jesus Christ is about. And it's just a powerful part. I didn't put it in this presentation, but it's called Sins and Mistakes, Elder Oaks. Okay, if you Google that, it, you'll first find. It. So brothers and sisters, you think about this. Because you were born, you have some susceptibilities, some propensities, some things that might take place. I have a, a little brother that we adopted when he was about 16 that was born, and his father was an alcoholic. right now. He also is a Native American. And so there's some sensibility that comes just from that gene pool that we know about from studies. And my little brother struggled for years, made an alcoholic, until he finally took his life, because he just couldn't handle the pains any longer. Now, of course, he's accountable for some choices he made. But at the background the things that the abuse that took place in his home and was killed. His own father tried to take his life. His stepfather showed him pornography starting age two. The abuse, the neglect, the hurt, all of those that had nothing to do with him. You can't tell you on Judgment Day, there's going to be a different level of accountability. But he still had to deal with all of this stuff in the final just. And if you've struggled with emotional and mental wellness, and you've wondered what you've done wrong, doctrinally, I'm going to tell you nothing except being born. And that wasn't even fully your choice your parents had yet. Right? Now, you wanted to come down, and you were excited to come down. But we have to be so careful that we don't treat the struggles we have here doctrinally and Because if we do, then we won't know where to turn. And I'll show you how. So, yes, this side is all sin-based. Okay? When I commit sin, or don't make good choices, or I'm prideful, selfish, destructive, it's this beautiful instance. These three words, that's when we become carnal, sensual, and devilish. Okay? Look at these words: carnal, temporal, worldly, lack, of spirituality, sensual, gratification of the senses, indulgence of appetite, devilish, evil, excessive, extreme, unmerciful. That does not describe the people sitting in this room. But this side does your biology, your psychology, your propensities, your struggles, your joys, your lonelinesses, sometimes your depressions. That does. So let me show you scripturally where I'm backing this up from. Okay, um, He covers both sides. He literally covers both sides, and in that process of covering both sides, it makes it so we can work through this connected to Christ, either side we need. Okay. So, watch. Now, can I do something really quick? I do not want to diverge and have a, a diversion away from what we're talking about, because um, I'm not talking about homosexual behavior right here. Elder Oakes in this quote, references it as part of the fallen side, some may have feelings of same-sex attraction, but he teaches a powerful principle of what I'm trying to teach you. So don't get sidetracked by his first statement, because the question he asked was, in a sense, is homosexuality something that they can control or not control? And he teaches this powerful principle, OK? <coughs> yes, homosexual things are controllable. That's how he starts with it. <clears throat> Perhaps there are an inclination or success, that word that I just slaughtered, susceptibility to such <laughs> feelings that is a reality for some and not a reality for others. And it doesn't have to be because they've sinned. But out of such susceptibilities come feelings, come feelings, and feelings can be controlled. And you're saying, whoa, you're trying to control my feelings? and they're all over the place. Stick with me, okay? If we, if we cater to the feelings, they increase the power of the temptation. If we yield to the temptation, we have committed sinful behavior. Not that what we felt was a sin, but if we cater to the feeling, it can become a sinful behavior. That pattern is the same for a person that covets someone else's property and has strong temptations to steal. It's the same for a person that develops a taste for alcohol. It's the same for a person that is born with a short fuse, as we could say, of susceptibility to anger. If they let that susceptibility remain in control, it becomes a feeling of anger, and a feeling of anger can yield to a behavior that is sinful and illegal. Brothers and sisters, there is so much of what is here that we've gotta realize is part of breathing, is part of living. And the adversary's done a really, really good job at convincing that's it. I've watched so many of my students in this emotional wellness class I teach once they realize, oh my word, it's just part of my battle of being a human being, the hope started to just become very real to them. Because so often they thought the reason they were struggling is because they do so many things wrong. And that is not true. Doctor. Let me help you understand by some analogies here. <laughs> so, fallen man. Anxiousness? Part of the fallen state? Yep. Raise your hand if you've never felt anxiousness. <laughs> I felt it before I came in here today. I'm even feeling it a little bit right now. Um, and it seems to be there, okay? That's not because I'm a sinner or I am bad, it's because I sometimes worry about like, will anybody come to the class? Well, that's not evil either. But if I start to make it that that is my whole worth and value, then I start to move over to the carnal sexual devilish. It's not a sin, it's part of the fallen world, okay? But if I go to the world to find relief from my anxiousness, from my approval, from my assurance, or blame others or number of order isolate, then what happens is it starts to feed the natural man's side. Because right here, this junction is this is not a sin. What I do with it determines if I can find, in God's case, Deliver your support. In Satan's case, Him influencing us that we're something seriously, sinfully wrong. Because I can pray for help. I can see my insights into where the anxiety is coming from. By talking with others about it, I can seek stability from previous assurance revelations. Because one of the things that people tell me that most is when they're struggling with anxiety or depression is feeling the Spirit is almost impossible. And the parting has to do with this is because anxiety and pressure is such a strong emotion. It's what Elder Scott loved to teach. He says he says it's like eating a jalapeno while trying to savor the delicate taste of a grape. You can't because the jalapeno is so strong. It's not that the grape isn't present. It's just you can't taste it. And when we say it's so hard to feel the spirit, it's not because the spirit's not present. It's because the other emotion is so strong that it's hard to recognize the grapes even. But the grape is still there. Okay? And so we turn to inspired family or friends. My wife would come to me and she'd say, Hun, is this true what I'm feeling? And because we build a level of trust, I would say, Sweetheart, it's not. She'd say, Prove it to me. (laughs) And I'd say, I don't know if I can do that, but I can tell you that it's not correct doctrinally. And I would take her through a doctoral dissertation of this little. Part of what she was feeling could not be from God. Now, uh, to be just really vulnerable and honest, um, part of because I'm a teacher by nature, she would come in and I'd say, "Hey, I got a doctor for you." She goes, "I'm sick of the doctor. Just shut up and listen to me today. <laughs> I don't want a doctor dissertation. I want you to hear what I'm feeling." Okay. Then we'd have to say, "Now can I do the doctor thing?" She goes, "No, not today." <laughs> like that's fine. And I can to say it. <laughs> But what she would learn because she trusted is that we could go and say, is what you're feeling really based upon eternal truth? Is it real? Because, see, your perception is your reality, but it doesn't mean it is real. And that's why I have to find something to balance it against that is real. And sometimes when you're struggling, you can't. So you need somebody you trust to be able to say, is this real? Is it real? And when you can do that, there's power. The Savior, as our Matthew Holland said, even though I could understand my life at times or know where she was going, I always knew if I bored her to Christ and we could at least try to get there, she would know that somebody did understand. That. Okay? The beauty of this is, Christ covers both sides. He covers the fall, and he covers the natural man. He covers both of them. So if I do choose to go and do things that are not healthy for me in a sinful way because of my anxiety, I can still turn to Christ. He can still fix it and take it back to my community. Struggling with a wayward child? Well, they're talking about emotional wellness. <laughs> Anybody that has not had a struggling a child knows. Or if you've had a pastor tell you know that that emotional struggle is probably the worst one you've ever had because your love is so deep that it causes the pain to be the same. Way. So, brothers and sisters, let me back up. I needed to say something. How often a parent will come in and say, "If I would have just done this, this, or this, my child would still be in church." I say, can you document back that up? <laughs> well, yeah. It's so a doctor of agency. I said, yeah, good, doctor of agency. They have it. Well, but I have mine too. But your use of agency cannot override their use of agency because then the plan will be will avoid it. So when you have a child that struggles and that emotional state is so deep and so hard, It's not because you weren't good enough, because none of us are. It's because there's agency. Now, can I sit back and say, Stephen, you could have done this better, this better, and that better. Yes, and so could every person in here. But I'm not a perfect leader. (laughs) And I'm learning to. I'm going to. And I need the atonement also. Because I'm in a fallen state. You know, if I head this way, what happens is when I think I've sinned, I then try to fix the thing that I did that was sinful, and so I try to control. I might even guilt you. I start to self loathe, I start to self pity. I start to these are not things that will connect us to Christ, these are things that connect us to the natural man. That's what the natural man wants to do. We get frustrated with the plan. And we think doctrine of agency is stupid. I hate to say how many times I have made that statement <laughs> last week. Um, <laughs> I'm like, "Holy Father, are you sure that they should have agency before 21? <laughs> 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 and then one of my students said something that just blew me away. I teach marriage. I teach, uh, I teach preparing for eternal marriage or dating healthy relationship class. And um, <clears throat> the student said, Brother and Saker, you know, you keep saying this is the more important we see what we're making, the entire existence of our lives and we're making it as fallen beings. Isn't there something wrong with that? (laughs) But oh my word. As fallen beings, I'm choosing the person that I'm going to be with for all of existence. (laughs) What do I know when I'm 21? Some of you are going, what do I know when I'm 41? (laughs) What do I know when I'm 61? I don't know anything still. Well, that's good, you're right. We blame, we get angry, Personal experience. Have a daughter that's left the church. They moved into a new ward. Second week there, she's wearing her short, short skirt. Young one leader comes up and says, We don't wear this in that ward. You shouldn't be wearing that kind of clothes. My daughter never wore that. It's young one leader's fault, isn't it? No, it's not. It's not. But I had a battle with that. And I just delivered that war with her. I had to serve in some columns with her. At a time, I didn't like her very well. But I also got to see she had a tremendously good heart, just with too much brassness sometimes. Kind of like me. <laughs> so when I went over there, that became natural, carnal, central deletion. I be angry, upset, blamed, frustrated. Then we learned, Heavenly Father, can you just fill me with your love because I just don't have the ability to do it? Can you help me understand? I don't see things as they really are. I know your plan is perfect, even with agency as part of it. Can you teach me why that's so important Again, beautifully, whoops, my girlfriend, went. Beautifully taught. I went to the Savior on this side, and I went to the Savior on this side. Wow. Because I have, been, have become carnal, central diligence, or issues with this. Let's do one more. Ray J, have never felt lonely ever in my life. That's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the natural man side. No, good. <laughs> I just, hes like, oh, he's working me. Loneliness, do you guys know that loneliness is part of the fallen state? And it's a very prevalent part of the fallen state. Do you know why? How long did you live with Heavenly Father for you came here, you know? Yeah, we don't know. That's exactly right. According to Elder Maxwell, he says, Eons and eons of time. So I went to look at what an eon is. Time period that you cannot measure. <laughs> great, thank you. So we lived with God for eons and eons of time. We loved Him, we were around Him, we enjoyed His company, and now we're outside of it. No wonder we're lonely. No wonder it's, it's hard. I've, I've been in a, a room of 300 people that Mr. wonderful and great and felt like that I was on an island by myself. So lonely. So hard. That's part of the false hate. It's not a sin to feel lonely, it's not a sin at all. But if I go and try to get social media to make me feel better, or I try to numb it as I watch some young people go and become immoral because they just want somebody to touch them because they're so lonely. Or old people. Or priders in, I don't need any help. Leave me alone. When somebody knocks on the door and says, I am like here, need some help. I'm fine. Go away. That's the natural man can do. Your and so we enter into that world. Instead, we can go on and say, Heavenly Father, I just don't feel like anybody knows me. And again, as Elder Holland said, there might not be anybody else left in this life that understands you. There always is a God. We seek understanding as plan. And we go back to priestly blessings. We ask for another priestly blessing. He said, I think there's a quote on a preset you don't have seven in your entire life. <laughs> Brother. <laughs> Sister seems a better about asking. Okay? I say no. But either I way, it I can do this. So let's look at the perfect example. No, can you go back? <laughs> oh, well, yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so I've got... Here. Want to talk about loneliness? The father left. We you know he did. He was by himself. Completely. Elder Holland, Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, said that he believes that God had to do that so that he would know how we feel because we have to experience it so much. The son had really never been out of the Father's presence because he knew who he was at age 12. He was in constant communion. And all of a sudden, this moment of the hardest despair that ever could be, the Father leaves. And so, but what did the Savior do? He went vertical. He didn't go to the natural, carnal, sensual, fellowship side. That's why we don't understand. He went to the Father. And that's the importance to understand is who, who he is and that, that reports of it. So, we learned a great doctrinal truth in these series of events surrounding the Garden of Eden. Unfallen man would have remained in a state of innocence, safe, but restricted in his progression. On the other hand, fallen man ventured into an area of risk. Look at this. But blessed with the atonement of Jesus Christ, he gained access to unlimited possibilities of and potential. Brothers and sisters, what if your struggle with emotional wellness is a greater gift than you ever imagined? I have watched my wife, and I don't, I'm not saying she's done and out of this because she still battles some things, but we start in the in the absolute depths of dark, darkness that we were in for seven years. She is so much more compassionate than me. She is so much nicer. She was before, anyway, to be totally honest. But she she doesn't judge people. She, she just sees them in realness. And it's not that she didn't have that before, but I'm telling you, what she has become from this is so Christ-like that I just don't have will be honest with you. I said to her one day, I said, if you could go back, we started about 10 years ago. I said, if you go back 10 years and start again and not have that depression, would you do that? And the reason I was asking the question is because my thoughts were, if I came back 10 years, I wouldn't do this again. I was my exact thought, because it was really, really hard. And she said, absolutely not. I would change it. I said, are you nuts? I said, do you not remember? She goes, well, I remember more than you probably remember. She said, Stephen, what have I become? I would have to give up this. If I went back and gave up that, I really can. And she said, have you learned from it? I had introspect and say, I don't know. I don't know, or was I just angry too often about it? So I had introspect on that with myself, okay? Brother and sister simply stated, we had to have the fall. And with it, we had to have all the things that come with it and the things that need to happen. We had to have this take place. It had to be because without it, we could not, we could not rise to the place of redemption. Let me end and pull this together with one last thought. In striving for some peace and understanding in these difficult matters, it is crucial to remember that we are living and chose to live in a fallen world where for divine purposes our pursuit of Godness will be tested and tried again and again. <laughs> of greatest assurance in God's plan is that a Savior was promised a Redeemer who through our faith in Him would lift us triumphantly over those tests and trials even though the cost to do so would be unfathomable for both the Father and Father who sent him and the son came. It is only an appreciation of this divine love that will make our own lesser suffering first bearable and understandable and finally redemptive. Finally redemptive. I have just a couple of minutes. I'm going to share just a last thought on this. Um, I didn't think I was going to go here, I didn't know if I wanted to, but I think I'm supposed to. One of the parts of the fallen state, and because we live in a world that is so difficult with this, is that there are some that are born the same, that I didn't say there right, are, but some that have to deal with the struggle with same sex attraction in this moral state. I used not mean to say the word born with it, but it's a part of the fallen world. Um, I also have a colleague that's 55 years old that's never married that's been her difficult. Um, I've shared with my about you with my brother that, that struggled with what he did. Brothers and sisters, the fall is not a curse. It's the greatest blessing God can give. Because without the fall, there is no need for Christ. And without Christ, there can be need. As I watched a young man that walked into my office and he never told anybody else this, because just couldn't. He got through his mission, he got through life, and he struggled with same-sex attraction really back. And I said to him, I said, do you understand that that's not a sin? He said, what? I said, it's not a sin that you have same-sex attraction. And I walked him through this, and he said, oh my word, because I always thought it was a sin, I constantly focused on the sin side that I thought I was doing. And so I never had a hope of getting out of it. I said, "Let's talk." We worked through this doctor and principal, and he came back about a couple weeks later and we go through it. And I had just a thought. I said, "Have you ever thought about working in the temple?" He said, "They don't let people work in the temple that have same attraction." I said, "Do you have same sex attraction?" He says, "Well, I'm a man of character. I can't do that." And I said, "Is it a sin?" He said, "No, it's not." I said. Why don't you work in the temple? So he started to work in the temple, and he's worked in the temple for the last, we're going on five years. Last year, he stood up at a testimony meeting and he said, only Bishop once will know this. But God can remove the effects of the fall if he'll just be where he's at. testifying in a way that I could not even explain, that he came to understand that this body man <coughs> did not define him or label him or make it that he was going to be that way forever. Because he went to his God every deep for the last five years in the temple. And he was taught from on high that our fallen state does not define us does not define us. And I just want to testify that the name of Jesus Christ